0: Good morning, Delaware, and welcome to month thirteen of our uh, winter of twenty twenty one twenty two.
1: It's so accurate. Oh,
0: I am so tired of this cold weather. Yes. It's, you know, I, it's funny too because I lost some weight over the last couple of years, and I don't take the cold as well as I used to. Oh, you got to add an extra like sweater on. <laughs> yeah, this sweater shouldn't have seen the light of day again until at least October.
1: I brought out my winter coat that goes all the way down to my knees. That's big and fluffy for a walk on monday <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is the voice of nicole falls my co-host on the show good morning nicole hello hello and our guest is jackie mann who is going to be discussing uh end of life planning and yes. uh, fascinating topic it's great to have you here jackie good
2: morning it's great to be here
0: well thank you very much and we uh, we'll get to that in the second portion of the show because we have a program on this topic coming up at the library uh next week mm-hmm. so Nicole, I see you, you finished Mindy's book?
1: I am working my way toward finishing uh, okay, it. But I can't wait to read that. Yes, it is It is very, very good, but I have been very, very tired this past <laughs> week. <laughs> uh, my, just a quick plug for Marysville City Schools. They are doing a musical, Footloose. It is this weekend, and my husband is their music director. Ah. So it's been tech week, and uh, he has been uh, gone, basically from 5 a.m. till 10 p.m. every night this week. So I put the girls to bed in the and I pretty much go to bed. (laughs) 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 I haven't been sleeping very well. Um, But no, so The Last Laugh is what I've been working on by Mindy McGinnis. I am very, very close to finishing it. Um, If you are not familiar, this is the second. Mindy likes to write duologies. So just uh, two two books in a series. And this is the second in the um, initial insult duology, basically. So um, if you know, this one series borrows a lot from Edgar Allan Poe. So in the first, Book we have basically the story of the cask of amontillado. You had it,
0: amontillado. Amontillado,
1: Yes. So we, we have a lot of that story. We have um, a little bit of, oh, there's one with like a, a grandfather clock that's ticking kind of backwards in a party. That one is happening in the first one. So in the second one, we have a little bit of the telltale heart. Um, there is a locket that's being worn that's kind of um, doing some beating to the beat of who, uh, who might have been perishing in the last book or who may or may not be perishing in this book. And then uh, (laughs) we have just there are so many, so many um, just like little hidden secrets. So I'm not going to give them all away. But what I am going to say is this book continues the story. It picks right up where the last book left off. You cannot read it as a standalone. You must read the initial insult first. Otherwise, you'll have no idea what's happening (laughs) in this book Um, where we left the last book um, the the Tress Montour she has uh, basically um, plotted a murder against someone who was her best friend for a long time, and then in this book um, she's kind of dealing with the aftermath of that. Just a day later, where the community is starting to realize that they can't find Felicity Tornado, uh the girl whom she who she has murdered, and uh, then there was also there was a party on Friday night, and the party um, got out of hand and went viral and the one of the boys from the party named ribbit usher um he is now kind of dealing with the fallout from what happened to him that went viral at the party on friday night uh the other thing speaking of viral is uh tress montour um works not works lives at basically a roadside zoo attraction um, kind of a trashy zoo and uh, a panther has escaped from the zoo and when the panther escaped from the zoo Tress knew about it she tried to find it um, and she thought that she could I guess coax it back into the zoo of course that's not gonna work out well in her favor and she gets um, slashed basically the panther didn't attack her but it did put its paw out with claws out and said nope you're not taking me anywhere so she has a pretty bad wound on her arm so uh tress doesn't want to deal with the authorities um or a doctor or hospital helping her with that wound on her arm and so she decides to doctor it herself by putting duct tape over it because that's really the best thing to do to stop to stop the bleeding and Mm -hmm. stop the infection and all that kind of stuff (laughs) um yeah it's it gets real nasty if you can imagine (laughs) I will say this book, um, I love Mindy McGinnis. She does write young adult um, novels, but they are for a mature young adult audience. They are for like... Late high school. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend any lower than like 11th or 12th grade. Um, There's a lot of graphic depiction of violence, injury. Um, I mean, there's murder being plotted. So (laughs) these are mature content um, for sure. So this isn't your YA that also you know goes with like 7th and 8th grade. This is definitely an older audience. Um, But yes, time is ticking and so you're kind of wondering what's going to happen to the murder plot that's developing in this one. What's going to happen to Tress? Did Felicity really die? Are they going to find the body? All of these wonderful (laughs) things. And it's all going Going to convulge in a school pep rally, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that sounds like so much.
1: Fun. The last laugh. Yes. All
0: right. Great. By, by Mindy Central McGinnis. Central Ohio's own centri- uh, Mindy McGinnis. Exactly. Yes. All right. Great, Jackie. It looks like you've got something in front of you there that you're uh, reading or listening to or whatever. What's that?
2: Oh, no, just some notes. Oh, just some
0: notes. Oh, okay. I, actually, I looked over and I thought what I saw there was an Amazon uh, link, so I'm sorry. Oh, I
2: no, just... no, no. That's actually to my website. Oh, okay. <laughs> then I won't
0: I will, I won't put you on the spot then because I've got plenty to talk about because I've, you know, we had uh, William Kent Kruger here this week mm-hmm. uh, with the Friends of the Library, and I want to thank Gene Whitlinger and the Friends for an amazing couple of days with Kent Kruger, uh, the author of This Tender Land, Lightning Strike, uh
1: Ordinary, uh, ordinary Grace. Ordinary Grace, yeah. uh,
0: just an amazing author, and every bit as nice a human being as he is a, a great author. He, It was just a wonderful couple of days with him. We had a really small dinner uh, Tuesday night with him, uh, just a, some of the fr- officers of the Friends, and uh, Connie Berry and Andrew Welsh-Huggins, who are uh, mystery writers here in the central Ohio, who uh, were invited to the dinner. We just kind of sat around and talked literature. It was wonderful. Then uh, a lunch, and again, on on. Uh, Wednesday, and then the program at the barn at Stratford. Again, thanks to Donna and Melissa at the barn for their great work in getting that set up and everything. We had 130 people there Mm -hmm. who were enthralled by Kent's program. So thank you to the friends for that. But what that's mean, now that I've got Kent behind us, is I'm working on Sarah Vowell. <laughs> so Sarah Vowell is the next big program we've got coming. Uh, Sarah will be here on May 20th at the Chapelier uh, Drama Center mm-hmm. on the OU campus. Tickets are available on the library's website for that now. Uh, I'm going to talk about one of her books today. Uh, if you don't know Sarah Vowell, she's an author, journalist, essayist, social commentator, actress, voice artist. Um, I think she does... Uh, probably a, a little bit of everything she's right. kind of amazing she's written seven non-fiction books on american history and culture she was a contributing editor for the program this american life on public radio from uh, 1996 to 2008 uh she produced lots of documentaries on that uh, and in fact that's the lead-in for one of her books um and she's also the voice of violet power if you're a fan of the incredibles both in the 2004 film and its uh 2018 sequel so um <clears throat> Excuse me as I said she's written uh, seven books and the one I'm going to talk about is the one I was not familiar with before I started getting back into uh Sarah because I I read her books as they were coming out somehow I missed this one and this one is called Unfamiliar Fishes. Mm-hmm. Now Sarah Val is not an academic historian her her master's degree is in modern languages and literature um she uh, I'm sorry. She got a—that's uh, her undergraduate degree. Her master's degree is in, from the Art Institute in Chicago, so she's not an academic historian. But what she does is she takes these apparently disparate strands of history and weaves them into a coherent whole that provides fresh insights into the people and events that shape this imperfect but continually evolving country. Uh, unfamiliar fishes is the history of Hawaii, mm-hmm. and the the phrase "unfamiliar fishes" comes from a Hawaiian historian of the 19th century who referred to the that the hawaiians knew all the fish that they could catch in and around hawaii and the white people were the unfamiliar fishes oh the the europeans and the americans who came to hawaii were the unfamiliar fishes (laughs) um it starts with uh, it, it runs from the arrival of captain cook who arrived but uh, didn't get to depart, uh, at least not as we would think of it, uh, through the arrival of the whaling ships from New England, followed by the Christian missionaries, who were also from New England but were about as uh, different from the missionaries as it's possible for two carbon-based life forms to be, um, through the coup d'etat that overthrew the the longstanding monarchy and led to the eventual annexation of Hawaii to the United States. Um, And she frames the book around the inauguration of the first Hawaii-born president of the U.S., Barack Obama. Uh, Val, who, she's written extensively about the American Revolution, but she makes the case that the year 1898 is just as important to the history of America as 1776. Mm. And the reason being is that was the year we launched the Spanish-American War, we seized the Philippines, Guam, and Puerto Rico, and we annexed the Republic of Hawaii. In other words, this was the year when Manifest Destiny broke out of the North American continent and became, uh, the U.S. became part of the, the empire building of the 19th century. Uh, it was the year when the U.S. pretty much abandoned the century-old advice to avoid foreign entanglements, and we began to compete with Germany, England, uh, Japan, Belgium, and other international colonial powers. But um, Val doesn't just focus her light on the American entrepreneurs who took over the islands. She spends much of the book talking about the history of the native peoples of the islands, how they, got, how they got to the islands in the first place, their creation myth, the history of the monarchy, and the people who helped codify and preserve the Hawaiian language what separates Val from other history writers is her sense of humor. It is biting, it is droll, it is laugh out loud funny, uh, and it's very rarely cruel. One of the things about Val's books is, nobody is really purely a, a hero or a villain in history. She tries to see the people within the context of the time they were living, and not just what they did, but the impact and the intent of what they did. So it's fascinating. Now I listen to these, I've been listening to these books on audio, like I said, I've, I've read, I've read all of them except this one in the past, uh, but it's the way she does the books is great. She, she... Her voice is unmistakable. Mm-hmm. If you know violent power. If you've heard her on this American Life, her voice—you'll never forget her voice. Uh, but it's what not she your does typical is, audiobook reader. It is not your typical audiobook <laughs> reader. It some would say that, it
1: takes a moment of adjusting.
0: Uh, some people would say it takes two or three books to get uh, of adjustment. <laughs> right. I'm not one of those because I love her voice. I mm-hmm. think it's—I it's, love it's wonderful. But what she does is, like the Ken Burns documentaries on PBS, she uses actors to read the the the. Uh, voices of the other people. So Mm -hmm. people like John Hodgman and Maya Rudolph and Catherine Keener, Paul Rood, um, uh, Peyton Oswald, all of those voices are in her books. Uh, So it's uh, this one, again, Unfamiliar Fishes. Her other books include Lafayette and the Somewhat United States, which I am currently almost done with right now. Uh, The Wordy Shipmates, which is about the Puritans, Mm -hmm. the Partly Cloudy Patriot, which is a series of essays. Uh, radio Days, and my personal favorite, Assassination Vacation. Right. So, uh, again, she will be with us on Friday, May 20th, at the Chapelier Center on the Ohio Wesleyan campus. So, make sure you check out the library's website for tickets. and And we will be right back with Jackie Mann, the Death Doula. <laughs> Stay tuned. Little personal note here: Congratulations to my grandson who is graduating from the University of Cincinnati tomorrow. Yay,
1: Bearcats! Yay, Woo-hoo!
0: Yep. So I, I need. UC. I know you'd like that since you're a UC graduate yourself.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't get me started. That's a bad idea. All right.
0: Back to our guest, Jackie Mann. Uh, Jackie, a nurse for 30 years, uh, worked in hospice care, worked with uh, a number of not only traditional medicine, but also uh, alternative medicine mm-hmm. practice. And so, and now working with people to help with transition at end of life. How did you get interested in all this and, and what do you do to help people make that transition?
2: well i got interested in it through my hospice work Mm -hmm. um my experience around modern dying and death denial and phobia Mm -hmm. Uh, and seeing daily the chaos and suffering that i that i came to realize was part of the death phobia and denial that we have in our culture i um it was traumatic mm-hmm. to see this all about me every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was traumatic to see what people were going through, which I felt was didn't need to happen. Right. And one day I decided, you know what, I was going to make it my mission to do what I can to change this paradigm. Mm-hmm. So a large part of what I do as an end-of-life doula is education. Um, I, I'm a speaker. I'm an author. I, But I see myself the largest role as an educator mm-hmm. in all facets of the end of life, which means also um, making it a part of life. Right. So it's not just about the last days, but it's our entire life, mm-hmm. making death a part of our life in every moment. Now that, does, that sounds really morbid. It sounds like, <laughs> oh my gosh, just how do I wake up every about... morning thinking about death? But it's a compartmentalization of death within us um i've written a book about it that that i i really call uh living a mindfulness of mortality Mm -hmm. Um, but it's transformative in our life when we do that so that's how i came to the work Mm -hmm. i love the work another um, big part of what i do is i'm a home funeral and green burial consultant and i teach family members and others, how to um, do home funerals. It is a phenomenal experience. Again, it's one of those things that sounds like it's really morbid. Like, didn't we, didn't we, like, do away with that 125 years no, ago? No, it's
0: more like about 55. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, there was a home funeral wake two doors down ah. from where I was living in Buffalo, yeah. where they laid the person out in the living room yes. of, the, of the family home, and it was all done from the family home. And now, so it I, wasn't quite. Yeah, a hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Right. And now I know what a green funeral is, but or a green burial, but I want you to explain that to maybe some of our listeners who don't know what that is, because I am fascinated by that as yeah, well. Yeah, so it's
2: basically um, returning the body to the earth mm-hmm. in its most natural state. So, uh, whereas they used to not allow to have any embalming, I guess now there's a natural embalming fluid you can get. Um, but... It's, it's just completely natural. You're buried either in a shroud, mm-hmm. um, in a natural container, you know, a pine box, a wicker, um, casket, uh, uh, just something natural. Knowing
1: that decomposition is going to be part yes, of the process. Yes, and there's no vault. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, the f- green burials I have been witness to are the most phenomenal. I've been to a lot of funerals in my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They are the most phenomenal experience that I have ever had related to um, this ceremony, the mm-hmm. ritual, the intimacy mm-hmm. of it—it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: They—they they really are. Mm-hmm. It, that's fascinating. Your return yeah. to the trees. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you love yes. The Lorax, you're one, <laughs> one with the trees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's okay. Hey. Uh, so. Is your work mostly with the person who is facing end of life or is it with the family? Uh, who do you usually, who is your, who's your usual, I hate to say client or patient yeah, or whatever. Well, but wh-
2: as an educator, um, so there, it's a, let's divide this up. Okay. So as an educator, I do classes like I'm going to be doing next week mm-hmm. um, at the library. And um, I teach on a plethora of topics related to death and dying to the public. Uh, Whether it's caring for the dying at the end of life, pain management at the end of life, being, learning, I mean, this is how illiterate we are about death and dying, like learning how to be with people who are dying. Mm -hmm. It's not all about doing things for the dying, but really learning the beauty of just being with people dying. Mm -hmm. So I have a class on that. I have a class on returning death to its natural, sacred place. Um, my, uh, my opinion after being in the medical, um, world for over 30 years is that it's become too medicalized mm-hmm. and it needs to return to its sacred natural place. Right. And so that's another class. The, the class next week is difficult decisions at the end of life. Mm-hmm. We still, as a society, as a, uh, do not, the majority of people do not have advanced directives. But for those people who do have advanced directives, they think, okay, I've signed my advanced directives. I know who my um, healthcare power of attorney is. I'm done. I know what I yeah. want. And that's all I have to do.
1: We did.
2: And it. I'm I put it in my file, hoping that somebody will find it at the, end, <laughs> right. at the right. time they need it. But um, so I take I take it the step further to, to emphasize that it's really important. There are a lot of, lot of questions that aren't taken into account when you do your advanced directives and it's never that black and white
1: Mm -hmm.
2: oh I don't want a feeding tube oh oh you know I don't want to put on the ventilator well if it only were that simple of decision unfortunately it's not so uh, we look at critical questions like just because we can do some kind of treatment should we Mm -hmm. Um, what is quality of life Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. Because that's really important. Your family needs to know what's quality of life for you. Not for them, but for you. Right. Um, What is a good death for you? Again, that's very individualized. And is there anything worse than death? (laughs) I mean, I know we think the worst thing in life is death. But...
0: for me, that's it's having the turtle lady with a snake in my ash- face in this room. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, no, you that's, faced that's it That's a then. long thing You're on the radio good. show. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sorry.
0: No,
2: Jackie. no, no. No, but that's a, a critical question. Yes. Is there really anything worse than death? I mm-hmm. can
0: think of several that yeah. involve end of life type things. Yes. I mean, I, I, yeah. You know, lying in a. Persistent vegetative state for right. months or years, to me, is much worse than death. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, and that's just an extreme, but there are lots of... Anything in spectrum. between. Yeah. yeah and yeah. you talk
1: quality so. of life, quality of life for the person facing the end of the life, quality of life for the humans taking care of the individual facing yes. the end of life, yes. too. I yes. mean, yes. Both, both qualities of life are... Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Taking into account yeah. mm-hmm. all of
2: that. So we also take a look, um, I'm not a, a bioethicist or a medical bio, uh, ethical person, but we do take a brief look at medical ethics. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we're when we looking at difficult decisions at the end of life, I mean, medical ethics really plays into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as part of the class, we I give some real life scenarios,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like things, people I've known and what they've been through, and I just... Put them up there and we have discussions just to get people thinking, oh, my gosh, this really isn't (laughs) such a black and white
1: thing. I don't know know how you cram it all into your presentation is Tuesday, May 3rd Mm -hmm. at 630. It's a virtual presentation. We have seats remaining um, available. You can sign up on the Delaware Library's website on our events page. I don't know how you cram it all into an hour. I mean, I feel like this is a a series. (laughs) Well, Well, she said she has a
0: number of programs, Mm -hmm. so I think we may be having you back. It sounds like (laughs) there is so much to cover in here, and as our population ages, this becomes more. And as we live farther and farther away from our loved ones, yes, this is a this is stuff we need to cover, and a lot of people need to know about. So thank you for being here, Jackie. We only have about uh, two minutes left, and I know there's a couple of things we need to cover about things that are coming up at the library this week, besides your program. Don't forget tomorrow the friends of the library have a um, one of their book sales but it's going to focus all on children's books and, and I'm sorry it's not tomorrow it's Sunday mm-hmm. at the Powell Street market that so if you're listening on the Sunday repeat of this show you still have time to get to this this is uh the the Paul Street market runs from 9 to 4 and they will be uh offering, like I said, primarily children's books at this sale. Mm-hmm. And so...
1: The Henrigals have, have hatched. We talked about our eggs that yes. came uh, last week. They hatched this week and the vote is in and they are the Henrigals. Um I am also very excited. You can view them up until Wednesday. They'll be taken away. Um, I am also very excited about um, Ostrander. Our very own Harla Lawson is offering a history walk um, on. That would be Tuesday, May 3rd from 7 to 9 p.m. So if you are not signed up for difficult decisions at the end of life, you can make your way out to Ostrander and do a walk with Harla. And the very last thing that I'm super excited about is um, we have an in-person Sintero event on Thursday, May 5th, um, six o'clock at Delaware Main Library. This is the Parents Stay Positive series. And these are individual ones. This one is about promoting healthy self-esteem in your littles between uh, birth to age eight.
0: Okay, thank you, Nicole. And we have one more time for one more plug that Jackie wanted to okay, make. Okay,
2: I just want to mention, I will be at Green on the Green in Worthington next Saturday from noon, uh, from 8 until noon um, with the Cocosie uh, Nature Preserve. That's the green burial site in Gambier. Um, and I will be there answering questions about green burials and home funerals.
0: Ooh. Oh, great. Well, thank you. I love that. That's, uh, that that's Saturday, Saturday May, May 8th. 8th.
2: Uh, Saturday, May is that?
0: Uh, the, May 7th. Uh, next May 7th. Saturday. That's at, that's at the Village the
2: like green, yes. uh, green. Just want to make green. sure people didn't go out there tomorrow. Yes. So. Okay, no, next 7th. Saturday. Right.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much, Jackie, for being here. Thank you for doing the program for us on Tuesday. We are looking forward to that. I think I have to sign up. I, I just now have got all sorts of questions going out of my head. So, mm-hmm. Nicole is a ple- always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And Greg. Uh, <laughs> Gage. I'll get the right number. No, I am name very Greg. Yes. I uh, yeah, a ginger as my wife there is. There you go. Was a yeah, there so, you go. Uh, <laughs> so, thank you very much for your work behind the board, and we will see you in the stacks.